Hey guys, welcome back to Gaming Trim Podcast. This is your host, Erica. And this is a very physically exhausted John. How's your week been? Uh, well, it's really, I threw my back out last Monday. Yeah. Yeah, I've been chewing painkillers like Tic Tacs right now. Yeah, I know how you're going for I mean, last week was insanely busy. And then this upcoming Friday, uh, I will be flying to Michigan. Uh, so that's where my dad's from. And we're going to be scattering his ashes. We're going to visit Mackinac Island. Uh, we're going to visit a bunch of other crazy places there. We're going to be there for a week. So I'm excited to go there. I haven't been there since I was a kid. Well, I've seen Michigan on the map. <laughs> <laughs> no, Michigan's a, it's a great place. Uh, I would not want to live there. <laughs> it's a great place, but I don't want to live there. How's that going to be for everybody else? Yeah, no, I mean, because the, the big cities there is like Detroit, Flint, stuff like that. And I would not want to live in those cities at all. But the small towns. Go to Flint. Get your explo- <laughs> get your explosives. It's okay. It's found in every tap. <laughs> the small towns, the small towns outside, like uh, the place that I'm going to, it's like right outside. It's like a two, three hours outside of Flint. The small towns are super cute. And they have, like, all this rich heritage and all this other jazz, but they make a lot of money with tourism. Michigan, California, Colorado, those are, like, the three touristy areas in the States. So definitely a nice place to visit. And the places that are touristy are great. (laughs) (laughs) And there you go. If you're going to make any pilgrimage, go there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this week, we are actually going to be talking about Resident Evil Village. And specifically, we are talking about uh, this new uproar online about how House Benavito is, like, insanely scary. Really? Yeah. Uh, So everyone's been talking about it for the past couple weeks. Uh, They're just very psychologically scary. Um, So let's go ahead and head into Game On. So, John, I can see your confused look on your (laughs) on your face. What did you think about the chapter Hasman of Vito? Well, yeah, this is not my normal game because I don't play horror games or anything like that. I usually just stick to my normal things like Among Us. City Skylines, mm, Rocket League. Your kind of video games are wind-down video games, is what I like to call them. Uh, You just want to sit down, you want to relax, and it's honestly mentally numbing to a good point, where you're just like, I don't have to do any critical thinking, I'm just unwinding, and this is how my brain unwinds. And I love games like that, too. I do the same thing with my mobile app games. But you play some great games, RPGs as well, but I totally get where you're coming from. Resident Evil is totally different from the Resident Evils we had growing up, uh, where you had zombies and all this insane stuff. They are definitely going more occult and uh, I want to say virus-esque and less zombie. Oh, isn't that how we get zombies? Like some kind of weird virus that came out of China and then starts zombifying everybody and everyone eats their faces? So I feel like the past couple Resident Evils, they've been more virus-esque in the fact that these people are possessed or they have a virus and they just look sickly and weird, but they're not zombies. Mindless automatons, just meat and food, don't say anything, skins falling off, stuff like that. I'm not seeing that in the current Resident Evils. Okay. (laughs) If everyone's been living under a rock. Okay, uh, you're 
years after the tragic events of Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Ethan Winters has started over with his wife Mia finally living in peace and putting the past behind them. However, Chris Redfield, which is like amazing, the legendary hero from the previous Resident Evil games, suddenly disrupts their life, throwing a devastated Ethan into a new and twisted nightmare and search for answers. If you are easily triggered by psychological horror, mental and emotional stress, rather than implicit violence, then one area of Resident Evil Village will be a true nightmare. About halfway through the game, you'll have no option but to visit House Benavento. It's the moment Capcom puts shockly horror to one side and goes all in on pure psychological torture. House Benavento utilizes a smart blend of hallucinations, shifting spaces, and a bet body horror to create instants that make the events of previous Resident Evil games and PT seem impossibly tame by comparison. It's definitely insane. I I love what Resident Evil is doing with the past video games. Um, I've played Biohazard. Again, great video game. I feel like it's not the typical Resident Evil game. I grew up with zombies, right? The zombies, you know, rawr, rawr. I feel like it's going a different way, but I'm digging it, okay? And this is really following Biohazard um, with more occult, which I dig, scariness, whatever. But when you're in House Benevento, it's insane. Like you see these shadows, it's dark most of the time. It is definitely scary to play, especially when you get into the house and you lose your weapons. How do you lose weapons? We first head into House Benevento. On our way, the plants near the graves of the Benevento's parents emit a pheromone that affects Ethan. And so before you get to the Benevento's uh, cemetery or treasure, as they call it, you go through, I want to say Potter's Field or something, and it's scary as heckin'. You're going down these twisting paths. There's dolls everywhere. And you know how I feel about these dolls. Oh, don't open your Christmas present. <laughs> There's little dolls or something hanging from the trees. And that's very witch occult-like, you know, warning signs. You hear noises, branch, you know, snapping. You're obviously not alone. So Ethan begins to hallucinate Mia which is his wife, if you didn't know, mm-hmm. who is holding their daughter Rose and beckons and leads them into Hasman Vinto. Upon entering, he starts to explore around the house and finds the second flask sitting on Benevento's doll, Angie. Before he can grab it, the doll disappears and so does his weapons. He then comes to find a doll similar to Mia and with a photo of her corpse. Now, this doll is a full-size human doll. Very creepy. Ethan begins to solve puzzles around the mansion in order to find a way out. During the journey, he picks up a call from Mia who tells him that she didn't want to keep something a secret from him and she doesn't want to lose him or their family. Each time he successfully solves parts of the puzzles, the radio nearby picks up transmissions from Mia, with succeeding transmissions growing more and more distressed. Along the way, he is pursued by a hallucination of a large, grotesque baby that emits Rose's crying. Uh, Now, I know that you thought that was super creepy. Mm, Only when it ate Ethan. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, giant, (laughs) giant fetus. Okay, so this thing isn't just a giant fetus. This thing has, like, an abnormally large body. It looks like a hairless dog with a huge head that can elongate 
to feel a corridor. Yeah. But it still looked like a giant, oversized, demonic fetus. <laughs> that was one of the parts of the game. So you lose your weapons. Uh, you can't fight this weird, demonic baby thing. And so you have to hide, you know, crawl under beds, hide in corridors, you know, walk around it. I, I don't know what it is. But it freaks me out the way that Ethan breathes very loudly. I mean, he breathes like me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Ethan, you're in shape. You don't need to be breathing like this. And it, I mean, it's for it's for scaring effect, especially when you oh. hide under the bed. And he's like, <sighs> and I'm like, Ethan, are you OK? Like, are you dying? <laughs> uh, this is just like going through one of those little like, uh, what are, the, what are those things they have around Halloween, the fun house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun horror house thing. Like, I've been around a whole bunch of those things. I'm just, guess I've been desensitized to it. You, <laughs> know. you know, normal things like watching the news. So he manages to reach the top side of the house where he is greeted by Vin- Benevento and Angie, which is, you know, the doll. Benevento pleads with him not to leave and sends the other dolls to attack him. He manages to repel the dolls and Angie demands him to find her quickly in the game of hide and seek before he gets attacked by the other dolls. So again, this whole house is filled with these weird ass dolls. You know how I feel about dolls. So as soon as I started seeing them, I was just like, this isn't this isn't my day. And again, you're playing this game. And you don't know what's going on. The lights go off at one point. You have to reset the breaker rocks, find some new breakers. It's dark. You go down this well. I think that I'm in the movie The Ring. There's doll parts at the bottom. Yeah, you have to find that down there. Happen to have the key to the breaker box. Yes, breaker box. When you open that up, there's a piece of a statue inside it where the fuses would be. Definitely, it is insane. These dolls. Once you piss off Angie, which is like the mama doll, these dolls begin to laugh and make these noises, and their heads begin to gyrate. And sometimes out of the corner of your eye, you see, you know, a doll moving and then you look and then it's not moving. Uh, some dolls just gyrate the whole time. It is very scary, especially for someone like me, where it's it's very much a psychological horror. And you're like, oh, my God, am I seeing things? Like, did I really just see something move? Did I see a shadow of a person? Oh, my gosh. Um, but every time Ethan finds her, he stabs her in the head. He eventually deals the finding blow towards Angie. He comes to his senses and realizes that he has killed Benevinto, who calcifies and crumbles. He retrieves her flask of rosemary and another piece of the winged key before he leaves the house. Uh, I mean, if you're still dealing with the after effects of something, like Stuart Gordon's dolls are the condemned criminal origins level set in Bart's department store, then you're really going to have a rough time here. The rest of Resident Evil Village is relatively light on psychological horror, but you might want to have a friend on standby, either virtually PS5 chair play is a godsend, or in person if you're able to. <laughs> Again, I can't play Resident Evils by myself. I have to have someone there. Um, most of the psychological horror games I get, I get it for uh, my husband so he can play and I can just watch because I'm those people that have heart attacks. It's just my body can't handle it. Weak. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like so for me, it's like playing Doom. I played all that, like, oh, what was it, the latest Doom? I'm like, cool, play it on surround sound. 
that'll really fuck with your mind right there. I can play Doom. I can play Halo. I can go. I can go all about that. I can kill me some monsters. I can do it. I'm just not good with jump scares. I've never been good with them. Oh no! See, that's the thing. The Doom they had that as well, but the whole time you got a flashlight that loses power really quick, and you have to stop your yard. But you have the sound effects. You got got surround sound going you'll be hearing things walking around breathing around you just the crunching of bone when they're eating yeah that's the fun stuff a lot of scary games are going with where you don't have a weapon or you only have a weapon for like a tiny part of the game so that you can attack the person that you're trying to fight you know go away from and then you go to the next part of the game and you don't have a weapon anymore do i like it meh it's not my favorite thing. I like having a weapon. I like having guns. I like killing things. I don't like second guessing. Am I seeing things? That just freaks me out because I'm like, am I literally going crazy or is this just a really scary video game? <laughs> and so <laughs> I think that's what bothers me too. Any thing, Christmas gift you get for me, just remember, they're all going to be spring loaded with lots of dolls. No. Yes. No, no dolls. I will throw they're away never- the dolls. I will throw them away. Oh, those just reappear. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. In, in a different party. Oh, room. my God. No. <laughs> There's going to be like the weeping angels from Doctor Who. No. I have People a lock for my trash them. can. It's going in the trash can. It's getting locked. I'm going to wait for the trash people to pick up the trash, and then it will be gone forever. And then you open the trash can. Oh, look. It's still there. But there's still more to do. Village's 10-hour runtime never felt like it outstayed its welcome. At the end of your first playthrough, you receive challenge points, much like Resident Evil 7, based on set challenges. These challenges allow you to buy new weapons that will make your next run easier. You can also use these points to unlock artwork and figurines, and also to unlock mer- mercenary mode. Resident Evil Village may have its faults, but it's still one of the best Resident Evil games. We applaud the risk the developer took in experimenting with such a veteran series. Still don't like playing Resident Evil movie games. <laughs> Guess it comes kind of goes back to the movie. Couldn't stand that either. I love the movie. <laughs> no, like the first couple of video games were phenomenal, but I want to say like everything past Nemesis, it just got a little too extra for me. But since we are talking about Resident Evil Village, I also have come across some tips on how to, you know, play the game faster and be more resourceful. So first great tip that I want to give you is turn your map from red to blue. So when you first enter in somewhere, the map will show up red. And then once you find everything in that room, solves all the puzzles, whatever, it will then turn to blue. This is, I mean, pretty useful considering most games, at most they'll just highlight, right? You'll go from gray to it shows you the area, it shows you the corridors, etc. But in this game, it actually has like little exclamation points or it has words like this is, you know, whatever you need to do this in order to solve it. It definitely gives you more information instead of just like you've into this room. Also remember to pick your weapon slots and switch between them. Map the weapons to directions in a way you'll remember for us, for all for Erica mainly. (laughs) This means the handgun is up, shotgun is right, the cool gun with the least ammo is down, and more utility weapons like bombs or mines go on the left D-pad. We always know what direction to hit on the D-pad to pull up the best weapons for a given job. For example, hitting an enemy with a shotgun blast to the face might not kill them, but it does knock them down 
At that point, a couple handgun shots will finish them off. I always try to set like two or three guns to my D-pad, but I never put my grenades or anything on there. Otherwise, I always accidentally throw a grenade and kill myself. (laughs) I cannot put them on my D-pad, but usually I have like my top used guns, which is like the automatic and another gun that I always have ammo for. Otherwise, I accidentally hit it and then I'm like, oh, I don't want to use that. Your knife saves ammo. I cannot like emphasize this enough. You need to use your knife. Ethan's first weapons pretty much sucks. Okay, Uh, but it is a great tool for smashing and breaking things, which means it's also a great tool for saving your precious ammo. Whenever you see something that seems breakable, take a swipe at it with your knife. Worst case, at least you didn't bury a bullet into the wall that would be better buried in a werewolf's head. Also, remember, though, smart Ethan runs away. Sometimes games tell you to do that without saying a word. Resident Evil Village's version of this happens early when hairy monstrosities charge at you. And you empty what feels like a billion bullets in them, they still don't die. The unspoken lesson. You're weak. Don't fight. Run! <laughs> There's still plenty of time and opportunity to fight later when you're more powerful and better equipped. So run away to fight another day. The inability to not fight something is so much scarier than actually fighting something. It's it's nerve-wracking. It's, you know, pisses you off. You're just like, I can't even fight this thing. So definitely this game uses that where you cannot beat everything that you come across. Quick turn will save your freaking life, okay? Uh, Resident Evil's 8 Ethan isn't exactly fast, and he's even slower walking backwards. Backing away from the monsters you fight makes sense since it buys you more time to land headshots. More on in the moment. A lot of Ethan's enemies are fast, though. Some of them are huge and fast, making them extremely deadly. Turning all the way through 180 takes a lot of time. Instead, learn to use the quick turn control. On a controller, it's back of the left thumbstick and circle B, right? Uh, quick turns just point you in the opposite direction and get you back to running for your life that much faster. I need to be better at this because it is really good to have. <laughs> well, one thing also... Let the zombie heads move into your sights. Don't try to follow a shambling zombie thing with your controller. Pick a point where it's likely to walk past, pull up your sights, and start backing away slowly. Aim with your left thumbstick, waiting for the werewolf or vampire to amble right into your trap. I mean, that's, you know, pretty for any kind of zombie game. But in this, in in Resident Evil, uh, these zombies are very fast. They move like insanely crazy. Um, They dodge, you know, zigzag. They're actually smart. So it is good to just try to guess where they're going and then wait. My last tip right here, aim from below. Look, you know, we can't exactly explain this (laughs) and we sure don't have to. What we assume is the knowledge of geometry to prove it. Uh, for all we know, it's a placebo effect, but it sure seems easier to get headshots from a crouched position. It works in real life, too. <laughs> uh, well, that is it for our video game. So let's look about where to spend our money this week. Shut up and take my money. Well, looks like uh, Best Buy is having the Memorial Day 2021 sale. We're getting lots of discounts on TVs, air fryers, gamings, and much, much more. Like, for example, we have the SanDisk Extreme Pro 1TB internal PCI Express solid state drive going for $130, where you'd be saving $320. Think about it, though. If you're lucky enough to snag a new video card during the global chip shortage, then you'll probably need the storage space to go along with it. 
The SanDisk Extreme Pro NVMe drive also offers plenty of space for data-demanding work and can handle OSs and applications in the flash. This is one of the lower prices that we've seen on these Zippy NVMe solid-state drives with a reputable brand in recent months. Yeah, no, first of all, SanDisk, great, right? I mean, you you know you're going to pay a little bit more, but it's SanDisk. Solid-state, bro, I'm there with you, and it's a terabyte. You, I'm. This is going to be sold out. I'm not even going to try to get this. Like, <laughs> this is going to be sold out like the first second that it goes up. Well, you just got to make sure you got a PCI Express four slot <laughs> that will work, and you have the bus to handle it. But still, one terabyte on solid state, perfect. It's amazing. Yeah, this is something that I'm going to try to convince my husband to get. <laughs> this is an 82 inch Samsung Class Seven Series LED 4K UHD TV. Are there any more acronyms? No, it's not. So we're going, it's going for $1,200. You're going to save $500. This 82 inch 7 series Samsung is a smart LED 4K HDR TV that supports Apple AirPlay, Google Assistant, and Amazon Alexa. The Tizen powered smart TV feature lets you instantly connect to a variety of free channels from Samsung and your favorite streaming apps. Samsung's auto game mode lets you enjoy your favorite games with minimal input lag and image jitter. Ugh, love it. It's like music to my ears. It is currently $500 off for the Memorial Day weekend. Now, here's something for a lot of the gamers out there. Razer has the new Mamba Elite Wired Optical Gaming Mouse, and why would you have it wired when you have wireless? Don't know, but it's $50 right now and saving $40 off MSRP. This wired optical mouse from Razer comes with nine programmable buttons and customizable LED lighting zones. Oh, dear God, RGB. Uh, the Mambo's Elite 16,000 DPA offers the ultimate precision with no input lag, and the onboard memory can save your settings in case you need to take it on the road. But still, why the hell does it have to have RGB? Why does everything have to have RGB now? Um, I don't like cordless mice. Like, I've always had cord mouses. I like it. For some reason, when it doesn't have a cord, I think that there's more lag. It might just be in my head. Whatever. Yes. But this is definitely <laughs> something I'm looking into because I need a new mouse. That's fine. because I'm rocking two different ones right now. The only time I have a wired mouse is, hey, something happened, and I can just plug in, take care of it, and take it out because I don't, I don't like cables. The last one that we're going to talk about is the Amazon Echo Auto Smart Speaker. 25 bucks. You're going to save 25 bucks. <laughs> Turn your old car into a smart car with Alexa voice control. Not only can you control Spotify just by speaking, but you can also get weather and driving directions without ever taking your hands off the wheel. All you need is a smartphone and auxiliary input, and you're good to go. My car, I don't need this. I already have Google whatever. I have Google Driver Assistant. So I, I don't, this isn't for me, but if someone else wants it, go go ahead, get it. I actually have this. I was part of the beta <laughs> test on this thing, and it sucks. Really? Yes, it is a pointless piece of equipment. The only thing that it was good for because you try to link up with Google Maps and try to tell it stuff, it goes eh, every time. And half the time when you're trying to connect to it, it can't. Because, oh no, you don't have enough data broadband on your phone to do it. But you know what's really good about it, though? Controlling Amazon Music. That's it. That is the whole functionality of it. That's pretty much what the, the articles that we read mentioned. Great for controlling Spotify, whatever. I bought this. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I bought it for like 20 bucks because I got on the list for the early access for it. 
You know where this thing sits? In my glove box. Well, you know what? Put it on eBay. Get $25 for it. <laughs> I might just do that because this thing is just like, uh. And even that, if the volume on the stereo is too loud or the way it hooks up to your car, it has a vent clip that hooks onto your AC vent. Well, if the AC's on a little too loud, it can't hear you. And then it has all the different eight microphones on it. It still can't understand you. <laughs> it's crap. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Spend something else. Maybe a, a non-RGB mouse. <laughs> <laughs> now, from that heated discussion from John, let's go into some Nani. Nani? So the first thing that we have up here is the new Dark Matter map shows the bridges between the Milky Way and nearby galaxies. My body's ready. My body's ready for someone to mess up and then start an intergalactic space war. <laughs> Oh, just give me the TARDIS. Just give me the TARDIS. That's all I want. Do- Doctor in the TARDIS, come take me away. I'm ready to be your new companion. A new map of dark matter made using artificial intelligence reveals hidden filaments of the invisible stuff bridging galaxies. The map focuses on the local universe, the neighborhood surrounding the Milky Way. Despite being close by, the local universe is difficult to map because it's chock full of complex structures made of visible matter. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, all these people are doing research. Dark matter is just every time I hear any kind of articles about it, I'm just like, why are we why are we looking into this? We're going to kill ourselves. Because we've watched Futurama way too much. (laughs) Dark matter is a mysterious invisible substance that interacts with visible matter via gravity. Some researchers theorize that this invisible matter might consist of weakly interacting particles or WIMPs, W-I-P-S, which could be very large for subatomic particles anyway, and electromagnetically neutral so that they wouldn't interact with anything on the electromagnetic spectrum, such as light. Another idea with some potential evidence to back it up is that the dark matter might consist of ultralight particles called axions. Whatever dark matter is, Its effects are detectable and the gravitational forces permeating the universe. Mapping out an invisible gravitational force isn't easy, though. Typically, researchers do it by running large computer simulations, starting with a model of the early universe and fast-forwarding through billions of years of expansion and evolution of visible matter, filling in the gravitational blanks to figure out where dark matter was and where it should be today. This requires major computing power and significant amounts of time. So definitely not on a Raspberry Pi. Got it. No, but these pictures are very interesting. Um, all the maps, you know, I I like it. They're they're using density maps. Um, each across section in different dimensions reproduce known prominent features of the universe. Red as also reveals smaller filamentary features. Yellow, the act as hidden bridges between ta- galaxies, and an X denotes the Milky Way galaxy, and arrows denote the motion of the local universe due to gravity so you can look up these images online um it's it's very very interesting what they're trying to say so warp drive is out now we're going to hyperdrive (laughs) and yeah so that'll be fun especially when the first picture looks like burning man (laughs) it really does that's what it looks like this looks like a map from star wars that's what this looks like warp drives out people no more antimatter matter hit with a dilithium crystal, no, we're going to have a hyperdrive, which we have no idea how it works. 
No Star Wars person knows how it works. It's just magic. What else do we have on Lonnie? Thanks to a retro gaming renaissance, enthusiasts are scoring online marketplaces for 20-year-old CRTs. Okay, so I pulled up this article because, um, especially with the gaming community, I'm in a couple, especially in Texas, and a lot more people are looking for CRTs. And it is because the old video games, especially Nintendo, Super Nintendo, you had accessories that had lasers in them. And the lasers could only work on tube TVs. So like Duck Hunt, uh, Super Scope, stuff like that, a couple other games, you had to have CRTs. Well, yeah, because the refresh rate on that thing was 60 hertz versus the stuff now, which is 120, 180 hertz. So the only the sensors only worked on that specific flash. Um, over the past ten plus years, we've been having a lot of retro games coming back. People are buying cartridges online, eBay, Macari, secondhand, you know, vintage shops, whatever. And so I thought this would be a great read. Kind of like the fall and rise of the CRT. If you've been playing games for any amount of time, then the most certainly have memories of playing games on your childhood CRT. Yet all their history is so short a time, CRTs have fallen into disuse. Most people think CRTs are useless, unwanted space wasters that you couldn't pay someone to take away. But sometimes to get the best picture, you have to go backwards. CRT, which stands for cathode ray tube, the technology that gives the T's that extinct look and unique silhouette, quickly disappeared in the West after the popularization of LCD flat screen TVs in the mid to late aughts. Still just a weird way to say it, though. Why can't you say early 2000s? But, hey, we're just going to shrink it down. Yeah, no, it's just aughts, everything before 2010. It's just how we call the, you know, the 20s, the 30s. We can't call them the 20s or 30s because that's the 1920s and 30s, so we have to come up with new verbiage. That's called the zeros. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is technically called the aughts, yes. <laughs> uh, but this meant gamers with older consoles had to hang on to their old TVs or upgrade to the latest consoles. At the time, Super Nintendo and N64 weren't retro yet, so many were happy to leave them behind for an Xbox or PlayStation 3. While CRTs quickly disappeared from store shelves, they hung around in basements, grandparents' living rooms, slowly dwindling in supply as owners hauled them to recycling depots or left them curbside. Even just five years ago, only the most ardent retro gamers were interested in gaming on CRTs, but the audience has grown tremendously over the past few years, and demand has risen accordingly. Started in 2016 under the subreddit CRT Gaming on reddit.com has nearly doubled its subscriber base in the past year. In 2019, a coveted Sony GDM FW900 sold for a dramatic $1,000 on eBay. Another listing for the same monitor eBay was going for an eye-blistering buy-it-now price. Of $3,900. I mean, this is just insane, but a lot of people are into pure retro video gaming, and those people who are buying it, they're our age, right? They're our age, a little bit older, and we as adults have money to buy the stuff that we never had as kids, and when you are a pure enthusiast, you want to get the best and what was made for that console, so I definitely see enthusiasts that have the space, have the money. They're like, if I'm going to I'm going to do this, like go big or go home. So I'm excited to see people getting excited about retro gaming. It's like me. I kept my 27 inch CRT just because, OK, I got old NES and same thing. Like I got my Atari 2600, which runs on a weird coax cable. 
that I can't really plug into anything else. I updated all my TVs. I had a tube TV, a Sony. Um, I threw that away when I moved just because that thing was like 100 pounds and unre- it was unrealistic. I couldn't put it anywhere, right? So I have all LCDs, you know, whatever. And if you go on Amazon, you can get an adapter because most TVs are only HDMI input. You get the adapter, you put in the three cables, and then that ha- goes into your HDMI port. So it is totally cheap it's like 14 to 20 bucks depending on what brand you get and the picture is quite clear the only reason i kept crts as well duck hunt and wild gunman right yeah i i had no reason to keep a tube tv because i don't have any of those video games those weren't close to my heart as a child most i mean i love just metroid super mario uh final fantasy so i luckily did not need a tube tv but that is it guys thank you for tuning in this week you can like subscribe listen Listen to our podcast anywhere, uh, like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Anywhere you listen to stuff, we're going to be there. If you have any questions or comments, or if you want to send pictures of random dolls to Erica, you can send them to podcast at gamingtrend.com. Please send those pictures. I want to see her reactions. If you send enough of them, I will be with TikTok because of it. (laughs) You can follow me anywhere at The Raging Erica. And you can follow me everywhere at Dogfin Studios. We'll catch you guys next week.